Check Me Out is a production of Panhandle PBS and Amarillo College's FM90. Partners include the Amarillo Public Library, the Harrington Library Consortium, and Amarillo College, with the support from the Anne Ray Foundation and Barnes & Noble Booksellers. The thing that sticks out the most in my mind is that the captain farted, had a heart attack, <laughs> and then died. And I was hooked after that. <laughs> I thought, this is great, and I'm going to continue to read it. And I'm not ashamed <laughs> that I, I wanted to read it after that. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to episode one of Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Amy Hart. Today's topic is going to be summer reading list. This is part of the PBS Great American Read. We thought we would have a podcast to go along with it. So here we are. Today, we have two guests with us. Why don't we start over here? Hi, I'm Hillary Holsey, and I work for Panhandle PBS, and I do a lot of things. Video content. I create content. I manage content. But the most important thing is I love books. I'm Chip Chandler, also with Panhandle PBS. I cover arts and entertainment, and I'm also a massive book lover for years, years and years. So let's talk about The Great American Read, kind of explain what it is and how we got involved with this podcast and why we're kind of doing it. Uh, the Great American Read is a new program from PBS, and uh, it launched on May 22nd with a two-hour broadcast introducing everybody to the top 100 books that were selected from a national survey of about 3,000 participants, demographically diverse survey. And then they used a panel of 13 experts to to decide between ties, to push for other books, to make it as representative as possible. On that panel was Shana Peoples, the National Teacher of the Year from 2015, and a former Amarillo teacher at Paladura High School. So we've got a nice little local connection, special connection with this project. PBS launched it in May, and beginning later this summer, we'll have special episodes about different themes of books, heroes and villains, what I did for love, things like that. And throughout the summer, they're asking folks to go to the website, pbs.org slash greatamericanread, to vote for their favorite book once a day, every day, to help pick America's favorite book. These are all fiction books. It's not nonfiction, not biographies or anything like that. It's all fiction. It's from a huge, broad Array. spectrum of, of authors, <laughs> genres, classics to modern favorites it's it's not, what i've been telling friends it's not the best book in america it's the best loved book in america mm -hmm. it literally runs the gamut from 50 shades of gray to war and peace i can't imagine a more diverse list than that what are some things that we're doing locally for the great american read so locally you can look forward to first of all this podcast that's one component the other component that will begin in August, on August 4th at Amicon, we will be doing a bracket of 64 books from the hundred of, you know, the list chosen for the Great American Read. We're going to put them in a bracket, a lot like March Madness, and then have you guys duke it out and see which books you think, you know, deserve to be at the, the center of that bracket. Yeah. So We want you to argue online. We want you to, to defend your favorite book. Um, not to belittle someone else's necessarily, but to, to passionately argue for your favorite books, helping spread the love of reading to everybody. Yeah. So we're doing that. Um, that is a major component. You can also look for book clubs popping up around the area. We'll keep you informed on that when we know more, as well as screenings of the Great American Read. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's start with today's topic. We have 
100 books on this list to read. So I think this is a good place to have a summer reading list because this is summer after all. So let's talk about your favorite books as a child and growing up that you read during the summer. The biggest memory that I have, it's because it's the first time I ever had a summer reading list for school, was sixth grade. It was for Mrs. Wallace's class, and we had to read Hatchet. And I bought Hatchet from Barnes & Noble. It's about a boy who's going to visit his father, and on the flight to visit his father, his pilot dies, and he crashes in the Canadian wilderness. And I thought, gah. I don't want to read this book. This book is for boys because that's how limited I was in my thinking at that time. Anyhow, so started reading it. I knew kind of what was going to happen. And the thing that sticks out the most in my mind is that the captain farted, had a heart attack, (laughs) and then died. And I was hooked after that. I thought, this is great, and I'm going to continue to read it. And I'm not ashamed <laughs> that I, I wanted to read it after that. Um, Gary Paulson, just this is a, a novel of five. There's a, five novels in the series. Um, this is the first one. And just the way that he writes about nature, and there's like true fear in that book. And I felt fear in not like the horror sense, but actual fear for this this boy's life. And uh, I won't I will never forget that book. So Hatchet is on the the top of my list is in terms of like summer reading that I remember. And it's also on the Great American Read list. It certainly is. Chip, do you have a favorite <clears throat> from the summer? Oh, gosh. I mean, we did. I did the summer reading program at our library in Canadian every summer. And I, I'm pretty sure. I read more books than anybody else in it because I just was a voracious reader, especially at that age. My mom would literally have to lock me outside the house to get me outdoors in the summer (laughs) 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 Um, because I'd rather just be reading or or, uh, take a book outside and read on the hammock or read on the roof or something like that. I don't remember ever having summer reading as actually through school. It was a different era, and mm-hmm. um, we just read during the school year. <laughs> if you're like me, I'm going to represent the slow readers. Hey, so I was probably still reading stuff from uh, spring or you know before school let out because I'm the the slowest reader of them all. I'm but I still reader. love it. Yeah, me too. I think you are too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, very much. Chip's reading Lonesome Dove in like zero time. So no, it's taken me a lot longer than it should. <laughs> well, but I do. I, I remember we I mean, we checked out so many books in my family. My sister and I, especially the summer that we got chicken pox, we were bedridden for a couple of weeks. And my dad would go to the library and bring home sacks of books for us every couple of days. And we'd tear through them. <laughs> and they'd t- he'd take them back and get some more books for us. And that year we were voted the library family of the year because oh, wow. we wow. read basically every book. There. That's impressive. <laughs> Are there books that you particularly remember reading as a child that like? Oh yeah, like, I, the Hardy as? Boy books. I read every single Hardy Boy book probably multiple times. Wow. Uh, I read Nancy Drew and Trixie Belden as well. I read um, Judy Bloom's almost entire oeuvre, particularly the Fudge books, Sally Friedman, starring Sally J. Friedman as herself. That one really appealed to me. I'm not sure why, but it, gosh, I just, I loved that book so much. I read a ton of comic books, but, but I had a book in my hand all the time. It's really interesting that none of those made the list. Yeah. You know? Um, well, one of the books that I bet I read a bunch was Charlotte's Web. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure I read that in the summer. I, I got my beat up copy from when I was a kid yeah. here. And I'm sure that was one of the books I would have picked up during the summer. I love that movie. 
with every fiber of my being. Really? Oh my gosh, yes. And wow. so, yeah, I love the book too. Amy's not a huge fan of Charlotte's Web. It's some pig. The one I'm going to need therapy over the most, I think, probably. <laughs> you need therapy over mm-hmm. Charlotte's Web? Yes. Yeah. It probably has come up in my therapy session. So, yeah. Okay. That's how I feel about Black Beauty. <laughs> Black Beauty messed me up. Never I don't know it. why. It Never just. Read it. Oh, just the personification of animals and mm-hmm. it, how we treat them. Oh, boy. It, and that it was just, Charlotte's Web for me. Yeah. Because. Yeah, I mean, you, it's, and you love those characters so much. Mm-hmm. And I think as a child, you're like, wait, what? Where did she go? What happened? You know, uh, and that's that first, I think, traumatic experience you have as a child next to old Yeller, you know, that we all had to watch. But then where the red fern grows. Yeah, we've got also, that on the list mm-hmm. as well. And that was a traumatic and that was like sixth grade. Yeah. I've, and that was like all the boys were crying, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a more lighthearted reader. I myself loved Nancy Drew as well. Mm-hmm. I still love mysteries because of Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. Um, and I was a, a babysitter's club. And unfortunately, they didn't make the list. <laughs> I can't um, very, why. I'm very disappointed. Um, you know, what we have not mentioned that I loved. And I actually went to Barnes & Noble the other day looking for these books to see if they still had them. And it's the Boxcar Children. Yes. I loved Boxcar Children mysteries. I wanted to live in a boxcar. I was all about those books. And the covers of them now, they do not look right. And I want to buy <laughs> the old ones that I had and I read from the library because they impacted me so much. I love and that series. We have been talking books for a little while and everybody we've talked to about what did you what did you like as a child? Ninety nine percent of people have said the boxcar children. Yes. They loved those books. Do you read them? No. No. And I think that was probably a little outside of your realm, just maybe by a, a couple of years, yeah, you know. Probably but so. yeah, they were huge when we were oh, when we were younger. You know what I just thought of that I read obsessively? The Dr. Doolittle series. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness. I can remember that. Our library in Canadian had the the little kids area way back in one area. And then you move up a little bit and there's the teen-ish area. So I started moving over there when I was probably like seven or eight and found the Dr. Doolittle books. They had them all there in a row. And I loved those books. I read, I think, the entire series or at least everything that, that our library had. One that I do want to bring up is The Giver. And neither of you have read that. Is that correct? I have read it. You have read it? I have not. As an adult. I think it just means more as a kid to read it. Mm -hmm. And I know that I watched the movie recently and thought, this was so much better in my mind than it is on a movie, which we're going to talk about that in another episode about, you know, adaptation and movies and books. But um, The Giver was the first book that I realized that imagery could be used in such a way to put you in a world and make you understand an ethical message and a moral message. And I had to read that. I feel like I read it during the summer. I I really do think that I read it. And I I like Lois Lowry anyhow. Um, She wrote Number of the Stars as well. But The Giver just affected me on a level that is so deep. And I was so happy to see it on the Great American Read list because it's just so good. Or at least I I feel that it deserves to be on there. Do you feel that summer reading programs helped you as you were reading as a child probably i mean no i was gonna read anyway but the competition aspect of it was really fun we had there was no real competition we had book it i don't know what what you guys did we did book it where you would read for free pizzas from pizza hut yeah Yeah, i remember that yeah 
I don't know what our program was, but we had prizes and things like that. Right. And we and we had a Pizza Hut in Canadian, so that might have been one of them. Yeah. I just remember going to the library, Think Weekly for for activities and to check in and give them an update on how many books you've read. And and Libby Barker would just just give me a big old smile every week. Uh-huh. I, I loved that woman. She she was my dad primarily introduced books to me and gave me the love of reading. But Libby Barker was a very special dear woman to me because of that as well. By the time I was. I came along. Um, We had Accelerated Reader, and pretty much the point of Accelerated Reader was to get you to read the book and then take a test on it so that you could prove that you had read the book, but you also got so many points per book, and like if the book was longer, Goblet of Fire was a ton of points, then you got more AR reading points, and so that was a great incentive. I mean, it wasn't summer reading, but I was driven to read books because I wanted to be number one. I was not number one. Sammy Mack was number one. I hope she's listening to this. I'm very proud of you. (laughs) I do remember that. And I remember being motivated because of the points. It really allowed me to expand the level at which I was reading. So accelerated reading, obviously, from the word accelerated, means that you are trying to improve your reading level. So I was at a really high reading level by the time that I was in fourth grade, like college reading level. And so... It really did help me love books because it was a competition. But do you feel like you missed out on a lot of the books of your age group that you should have been reading? I did because in fifth grade, I went, I did what you weren't supposed to do and you weren't supposed to go back and read the the orange dot books or whatever. You're supposed to read the light blue dot books. And I read an orange dot book and that book was the Phantom Tollbooth. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Mm -mm. Oh my word. One of my favorite books of all time you should check it out it's so good it's by norman jester i think is his name and i thought oh this book is so simple but it has such a great message but because the way that it is written simply i you know wasn't supposed to be reading it i think that's a lot of books that i love are simple but with a great message dr seuss man i mean yep the giving tree you know books that the just have a very simple message and you're like that was everything yeah yeah and obviously chip you if you're reading that much during the summer and with your family and you're the family book readers of the year at the library in canadian i'm sure you were reading above your grade level oh yeah yeah pretty pretty early on i i can remember in second grade our gifted and talented teacher was reading a wrinkle in time to us because we could she thought i think she thought that we could understand it better if she was reading it to us i went out to the library and got it and read the whole book before the next week's class because i was so (laughs) invested already in what was happening in that and that that is truly one of the books that i cannot believe is not on this list yeah i know that that one's a huge shock to me i felt that way about holes i did the same thing with holes Mm -hmm. my my teacher mr mcgowan was reading it to us and he read like the first three chapters one day and i thought I cannot wait. I have to know. Yeah. I have to oh, know I what happens. I got in so much trouble. I yeah. got in so I much did trouble. too. I did yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I went and read it like that night. Yeah. I just stayed up all night and mm-hmm. I got in trouble with my parents as well. But Oh, yeah. Yeah. My yeah. folks like, yeah. you didn't tell us that you, they were reading it to you in class. We You wouldn't have checked it out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, teacher, <laughs> yeah. parents both all mad at me. I don't care. Yeah. I, re- I love that book and I read it. Same. I feel that way. <laughs> I get it. I love that passion for books. Do you have an absolute like favorite childhood book that could just sum up everything for you? I mean, I've got a lot, obviously, but one that particularly meant a lot to me was A Swiftly Tilting Planet, the third in the Wrinkle in Time series. is the the one focused on Charles Wallace, the little brother, and his flying horse, and they traveled through time and across the universes, and I it was it was such a cool, 
mind-opening book for me. I loved that book. I read that a lot. Well, not to give away people's ages, but I think, Hillary, you're probably in the age range that you probably grew up with Harry Potter. I did grow up with Harry Potter. However, the first one came out in 99 or 97. I can't remember which one it was. Close enough. Okay, yeah, well, I remember when the library got the fourth book, and I can't remember his name, but this other guy checked it out before me, and I was so upset because they're so expensive. They were so expensive, and my parents were like, we're not buying that. You're going to wait to read the fourth book. Anyhow, yes, I grew up with Harry Potter, but I would not say that Harry Potter was the most impactful. The most impactful has to do with, like, my affinity for nostalgia and my family Okay, this is actually so weird. Chip's mom was my nurse at, mm. at, at when I went to school here. And she sent me home one day from school because I threw up. And my mom laid me down in bed and she's like, I'm going to read this book to you. And she started reading To Kill a Mockingbird to me. And I was in third grade. And it was just so, I knew it was so meaningful to her. And I had already seen the movie when I was five years old. And I loved the movie. But my mom really loved it because it meant so much to her family. She read it with her grandmother and she remembers sitting in her lap and reading it. And I think that it really showed me, you know, life through a child's eyes. And I was a child. So Mm -hmm. it it just, it meant a lot to me. And I I love that book for that reason. I mentioned earlier, I loved the Hardy Boys books and read all of them. I actually had some of my dad's, if not first editions, very early editions. I have the Tower Treasure, the first one. His old copy of that and several of the other in the early up to the early teens of them yeah and that i loved the books but i had a special bond with the hardy boys especially because dad loved them when he was a kid yeah yeah that really affected me too that's cool do you feel like there were books that you felt like you couldn't read because you were a girl i mean definitely i I started with that thing earlier with with it being like this is this is a boy's book and boys read this Mm -hmm. i nothing off the top of my head but i will say that like I definitely, I think I do discriminate against books in certain ways if they relate to nature. Like I, mm. and I love nature, which is weird, but Call of the Wild, I've never read it. Yeah, I've, uh, I also refused to read Catcher in the Rye for a really long time because I thought it was a guy's book. And mm-hmm. then I finally didn't. was like, well, why'd you do that? But yeah. um, I just, mm-hmm. I, I always felt like it was geared towards Men and I, I felt that way about 1984 as well. I read 1984 in high school, and I read it with a group of very rowdy jocks, and they thought the sex scene was so funny to talk about and all of that in class. And I felt so uncomfortable. And I don't know. I reread 1984 later and enjoyed it a lot more because I did not like reading it in that context with mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that. Not a lot of my peer male peers were reading the Judy Bloom books like no. I was, and borrowing my sister's Beverly Cleary books and Harriet the Spy maybe even, but I loved crossing all kinds of categories with when I was reading. I just wanted to read. Yeah. And if the if the characters captured me, not plot some was important but not vital. If the characters captured me, I didn't care what kind of book it was or who was supposed to be reading it. I did feel very. Um, I felt like I didn't, I shouldn't read the Hardy Boys stuff. And it wasn't until I started seeing the crossover books and then I found those and I'm like, oh, well, look, Nancy Drew was hanging out with the Hardy Boys. And then I felt like it was okay because I felt like, mm-hmm. well, this is only for boys and Nancy Drew's for girls. And then you realize like, oh, well, it's, it's really just the same kind of books. It is. And that's such an absurd distinction, but 
Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. But and I think if you were it, my age, you would have known that Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew crossed over on television. <laughs> right. <laughs> in and, the 70s. <laughs> yeah. And so as an 80s mm-hmm. little girl and especially back then, because everything was pink and purple and everything was very like you're a girl and that's a boy. And here's your Nancy Drew book. And, you know, here's his little Hardy Boys. Interestingly, I felt anxiety about reading certain books because I was a girl and because it was meant I think more for girls. So I didn't, my friend was reading Little House on the Prairie and I thought, I don't want to read that. That's just, just something that girls read. But then I read it and I loved it so much. <laughs> I felt the same way about the Babysitter's Club. I thought that's too that was girly me. for me. I, I, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to read that. That's just against mm-hmm. who I am fundamentally. And I'm a kid. Like, I don't even know why I felt that way, but I did. And I didn't read books for that reason. So. I was the same way with Babysitter's Club in the beginning because it was too girly. Yes, exactly. And I was a tomboy. Mm -hmm. So I was in that weird midsection. I bet I would have loved like the girl who loved Tom Gordon or something as a child, even though it's kind of an adult book. But I probably would have really identified with her. I identified with Scout, like you were saying, like Scout's everything. I was like, she had the tire swing and like it was. Yeah, I I totally, totally got that. I I identified with her, too. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's yeah. when you yeah. know it's a good book, mm-hmm. regardless of age or regardless of gender. You know, it's just a good book because you're like, I identify with all aspects. Were there any books that you as a child like weren't supposed to read and you <laughs> snuck them yes there was uh, one of the books is on the list as a matter of fact the what color purple to set this up my folks took me to see the movie and then when i wanted to do mo- no more as i always did i wanted to read the book and my folks had it my dad had it in his in his office my sister says that she remembers me sneaking in there several times to and finding it wherever it was hidden and and trying to read it and I, I can remember hiding it in my desk for a while. It was found. Um, they were horrified that I was reading this book that they had in their house. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's their How dare fault, you? really. <laughs> but yeah, that one, um, I think I did finally finish reading it when I was a kid. But it took a long time and some blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> lots and lots of tears. Now that I think back on this, and knowing my parents now, this is so bizarre to me. I had to ask my pastor if I could read Harry Potter. I They were you know wary of it just like a lot of people in this area of the world were wary of the sorcery and witchcraft and And i remember walking up to him and saying hey i want to read harry potter is it okay if i read this and he was like do you believe in magic and i was like no sure okay (laughs) yeah i wasn't supposed to i mean i didn't sneak it i was very lawful about how I did it Mm -hmm. I I did I asked my parents if I could read it I actually think I started reading it yeah and they were like whoa 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 what are you doing why do why are you reading this we've we've heard terrible mm -hmm. things on the news about this this book so you need to ask I don't remember my folks ever forbidding me to read a book for any kind of reason like that it was adult themes things that were beyond my maturation my maturity level but nothing like that fortunately Mine because was, I, I went to Christian fantasy. school, so mine was, if it was witchcraft, sorcery, any uh, any of that kind of thing, yeah, which was not really my parents, but it was more yeah. people at church. Exactly. My parents were like, whatever. My parents mm-hmm. now- You're reading. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even believe they, 
they did that. I, I yeah. really, they were, they're really not the type of people, but I guess they were at that time. I don't know. Things have changed though. And Harry Potter is so huge now. At that time, they probably didn't realize like what a phenomenon is going to be and that it was going to be on this great American read and this list. And I mean, obviously yeah. you didn't know that that was going to happen, but now it's such ingrained in our pop culture. Back then it wasn't. I know. And, and they, of course, I brought home Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Well, Witch is in the title of that, but <laughs> it's C.S. Lewis. So they knew they're, yeah. you know, it's probably okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, that book, that was, I mean, obviously. Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe? Yeah. Oh, boy. I love that. I actually read that one before I read The Silver Chair. Or, or The Magician's Nephew. That's the first one. Well, that. Yeah. Okay. When I had my original box set, it Lion was the number one book. Oh, really? Yeah. It changed. Yeah, yeah. I have I a, co a younger cousin about your age, and when he got when we bought him the box set, I was a little bit infuriated that the magician's nephew was first. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's I think either I think it's book that's book six. Magician's nephew is uh -huh. book six. Yeah. What? It was Lion, uh, and then. Um, Prince Caspian. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was okay. So the order when I read it was the Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, and that was your introduction to the world, and then Prince Caspian, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the Silver Chair, a Horse and His Boy, Magician's Nephew, and the Last Battle. Wow. Um, so you got introduced to the world through the Peter and, and Lucy, Lucy and Edmund and and Susan, Susan. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then you follow them a little bit, and then they age out. And then the younger ones come in, and then you get to go back and see where Narnia came from just in time for it to That's all go away. bizarre. Uh, not at all to me. It's bizarre to me that you don't start with the That's line. probably why my, my the same, <laughs> probably the so. same guy that mm -hmm. read, the same guy, the same teacher that read Holes to us read Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. He's like, I'm reading this one to you first, even though there's one that in the box set says that it is the, you know, the magician's nephew. It's like Star Wars calling episode one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> and I will say that Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe is not even my favorite. Voyage of the Dawn Treader was. I, I love I liked that, that one book. a lot, too. Yeah. 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 So what do we want to read now that we have this list of 100 books for the Great American Read? It's summertime. So what's the, what's on your list? I'll confess that of the 100 books on the list, I've read 35 which is not a great total for a former English major, but <laughs> but there's a, there's such a diverse selection of books on this list that don't necessarily appeal to me. And there are and, books and that blind... by authors that we've read a lot of, mm -hmm. but maybe a book that a specific is one a different book than what we've read of theirs. Yeah, uh, but it it did show not a blind spot, but just a, an unfortunate overlooking of some books that I've that I needed to have on my in my me as my well head. yeah so i've got a ton of i've ordered at least a dozen books to try to plow through this summer i'm reading currently reading my dad's copy of lonesome dove his first edition that he got uh when it came out uh in the late 80s i think um and i'm loving it it's taking me a lot longer than i expected i finally turned the corner and now i can i'm, I'm zipping through it a lot more my normal pace and next i think i I want to go with James Baldwin's Another Country. That's one that I've always wanted to read because I have a feeling it will appeal to me greatly for many, many reasons. But there are some others that I was not familiar with at all that I'm excited to read as well. The Dean Koontz book, Watchers, it just sounds like I fun... I love that book. It is... I'm a big Dean Koontz fan mm -hmm. anyways. Yeah. Um, it is such a fascinating work mm -hmm. and you really get involved. I think you could knock that out in a couple yeah, of days. It's I very good. So. And back to some others that I know I should have read before. Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. 
Sadie Smith's white teeth uh, uh, when it first came out. I remember reading the, the the coverage of it and it sounded fascinating. Just didn't ever pick it up. So now I've got a good good reason to do it. Zorian Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God. I'm looking forward to, to to giving that a shot as well. I might try Gone with the Wind. I've had it for a long time. Might you might we'll try? try. <laughs> yeah, I might try Gone with the Wind. As God is your witness, you will try. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I, I, I would rather do the Grapes of Wrath first. Well, that's a shorter read. They're, they look almost e- even mm. in my stack here. It's, it's shorter. It is shorter. It's shorter. It is. But we'll see. What about you? How many have you read? Overall? I have read currently 52 of the books oh. in the list. Wow. Um, Accelerated reader, folks. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's truly why. I'm not kidding. I, I read a lot of the classics when I was like sixth, seventh grade-ish. But there are still a lot on the list that I have not read. I actually just found out about a book, A Prayer for Owen Meany. I did not even intend to read this, but Chip had such a glowing recommendation. Uh, And Stacy, someone who we're going to have on our podcast later, she recommended it. And I think I am going to tackle that one this summer. It's a beautiful book. Others that interest me, I want to read Ready Player One. I've not read it yet, especially since the movie just came out. And I'm a movie buff, so... I want to read it before I actually watch the film. I want to read The Book Thief. I want to read Gone Girl, The Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, Someone we work with told me that I needed to read that, and I trust her opinion. So those are are some that I'm looking at. But I made the mistake of doing what I always do, which is rereading books that I really love. And the moment I started thinking about how much I loved it, I was like, oh, I got to read it again. I love it. So I'm in the middle of 1984 right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of mine are the same as yours. Um, so a Prayer for Owen Meany is definitely on my list. Probably the next on my list. I'm reading A Handmaid's Tale right now because it not only the TV show has drummed up interest, but a lot of people have told me what a crazy shocking mm-hmm. like you got if especially if you're a woman you really need to read this book and so I'm about halfway through with that um, but I'm gonna read some Agatha Christie I'm gonna read um, I have not read the Kurt Vonnegut I have a very small list because I'm a slow reader however there's so much to read like I feel like I could work on this list for a long time and Absolutely. I have the lowest score of probably everybody around here I think I have about 27 that I've read off the list but I'm glad that there was Gone Girl there were there were books on there that I love I'm glad that Harry Potter made the list you know, I wish it counted as seven because you read I, seven. Yeah, that's I need the, all of them. That's the kind of unfair thing about this is that, you know, these series count as one. Yeah. I, and I, this just occurred to me. I can't believe I didn't mention this earlier. The Chronicles of Narnia is on the list. That's a series of seven also. Oh, my goodness. I've read those books. Me too. A trillion times. Yeah. Were y'all fans of the, like, Lord of the Rings series and those things? Mm. I was. I had a I had a librarian, a younger librarian named Holly, I think, and she knew that I liked fantasy novels, and she really strongly encouraged me to try The Hobbit, and I read it, and it was like, oh, it's, it's all right. I it just I read it. I read The Fellowship of the Rings, and I read, I got into the Two Towers, and this I think was in high school, and I just I couldn't ever finish the Two Towers or or the Return of the King. I liked the movies, all right, but. I don't know. I, Narnia appealed to me a lot more. And I, I'm not sure why, especially with its... Like biblical, biblical implications. Implica- yeah. I, it, it surprises me now that I was so so fond of it. And but and still fond of it. I love those books. And I'm tempted to re- read those again. 
I loved Lord of the Rings and I read it because my dad and I have a very interesting reading relationship. He told me to read The Hobbit because that's one of his favorite books of all time. And I so I read it and then I, I was hooked. The Hobbit is probably still one of my favorite books of all time. Um, but my dad read all of the Harry Potter books for me so that we could talk about it. So we, we do that. So we read books so hmm. that we can we can share that bond with yeah. each other. And I did that. I read Lord of the Rings for him and he read Harry Potter for me. So my dad and I tried that once. (laughs) I mean, we, we shared a lot of books. Yeah. I read all of his Stephen King books, except uh, Salem's Lot. He always told me not to read that. It scared him so much that (laughs) I should avoid that. Uh, And I did for decades, (laughs) but uh, we did, we tried that one time and I was, I got dad to read a comic book and I would read a Western novel and he gave me a Louis L'Amour. I think it was Hondo by Louis L'Amour. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. And dad hated the comic book also. He <laughs> so that was a failed experiment. We never tried that again. But um otherwise dad and I have very similar reading tastes and still talk about books, especially Stephen King. Yeah. Hillary, do you, have you read The Stand since I, it's on the list? I have not read The Stand. I need to read more Stephen King. I've only read, I, yes, I know. I, I should just. Here's the stand. Right. <laughs> and we, we talked about earlier because Stephen King has obviously such a broad array of work. Do we think that the stand is the right one? Because I do. I do think that was the right one to pick for him. Absolutely. It's my favorite of his novels. I think it's his best work by far. Yeah. yeah. I say put it on your list for the okay. summer. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> what is different about a book than in a movie is that you can close your eyes when you read something <laughs> you are imagining it in your uh-huh. mind's eye and you can't unthink it yeah. and i do not do well with horror i don't do well with disturbing themes i uh-huh. get easily creeped out i can't read as much as i love reading novels or not novels um books about serial killers and things like that i can't do it at night because they scare me to death mm-hmm. so i don't i think that part of that is that He's such an amazing writer. I read The Shining. The Shining scared me oh, this is, so much. To me, The Stand is a great entry point okay. into Stephen King. And that's I another agree. reason I like that it's on the list. It's one of his more accessible books. It's more dystopian future type okay. thing, post-apocalyptic right. type thing, because a virus, Captain Tripp's virus, has wiped out a huge chunk of the world's population. But it's... It's, a, there, it's about survival, I think. There is a good and evil... There's a good and evil aspect. ...aspect, um, and yeah. it builds to a, a climactic battle. But it it's not the monsters under the bed or in the sewers or uh, or the shining. It's not... Or if you're like me and you scary. read In Cold Blood and it just scares <laughs> the crud out of you. You know, whatever. It didn't scare me that much. In Cold Blood? No. no. It, to me, it did because it's real. it really happened. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. and that's the scary aspect for me. Um, the Stand, I think you're right. It's totally accessible. And... Mm-hmm. I would start there if you're if you have not read Stephen King. I it was late to the game on Stephen King. I was the I'm a little scared and I don't know if I can handle it. And um, you're making fun of me. Yeah, no, <laughs> not really. I mean, I was I was really late to the game and and I felt bad because I was like, there's a lot of work and there's a lot of lovers of his work, but mm-hmm. I felt it was very dark and very you know scary and 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 I found so much that I love because mm-hmm. not all of it is that way. Yeah, some of them are absolutely horrifying. But now I love it. Are. I love you know all the one the scarier ones. I really do love those. It is the only other is the is my like option B for what should have been on the list. I agree. Really. It's so well written. It wow. is so very good. good. I I watched I watched the the Tim Curry one when I was younger and it scared me to death. I also 
distinctly remember speaking of like nostalgia my grandmother has a bed that has a bookshelf like inside of it and Mm -hmm. i remember pulling it back and seeing the cover of cujo and being terrified (laughs) i will say that cujo is the one that i am least likely to read because i saw the movie when i was about four years old Mm. and it scared me to death Mm -hmm. and i'm still i still have a thing about big dogs and i own two big dogs Mm -hmm. but to read that book and once here we are back to things happening to animals i was talking to jill gibson who we absolutely love and we were talking about marley and me and i'm like i can't do it i can't do it anything where the animal gets harmed not into it well isn't cujo about a rabid dog yes yeah well, he's doing harming. Yeah, that's what I was right. saying. Right, <laughs> it is. But, but he's but, not doing so well yeah. himself. He, yeah, and then he, there's probably not a fault. great ending yeah. for poor Cujo, you know. Mm. I wonder, though, why is it when you're a child, they want you to read these tragic... It's it's even the Disney effect, you know? Well, why does everybody's parents get killed and then they have to make... That's a reality, though. It's a reality, though. Yeah. That's, that's why you should read those, because it. Are your parents still you. alive? Are yeah. your parents still alive? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then Disney does not win on that one. I'm sorry. Aww. Well, but it's, I mean, you would say harsh reality, but it is. <gasps> I just remembered a book Summer what? of the Monkeys. Did you guys ever read Summer no. of the Monkeys? Oh, that's another really. It, monkeys are in it, oh. <laughs> are involved in sad ways. Gathered. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And Where the Redburn Grows was a harsh reality for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kind of say, all right, we're, do, we're talking summer reading, but where do you think the list is going to go? Do you have favorites that you want to win for the Great American Read? And if so, what would the top three be for you? Well, my top would be To Kill a Mockingbird because I do think it's truly deserving, especially after all of the malarkey over Go Set a Watchman. And I... I struggle so much with that trajectory of her career and how it it played out. And Harper Lee had such an awesome reputation for such a long time. And I think she still does. I mean, I don't think that that's tarnished anything. But I I, I really I want that win for her because she that is it's a beautiful book. And it, it, it absolutely deserves to be at least in the top three for me. Um, Harry Potter, I would be happy to see it in the top three which I think it will be in the top three and I mean are we being realistic about it or are we being I would say your your dream your dream three 1984 I, I love 1984 I have a sweatshirt with 1984 on it mm-hmm. I love it that much it's just like my favorite thing and I think it's it's so relevant in the society that we live in right now and for being written in 1947 that's mind-blowing and it, it's something that everyone should read right now chip your top three Long i mean i think my number one one would have to be flowers in the attic i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> what Tight, going back to to reading checking out books at the at the canadian library <laughs> um i checked out that entire series because uh, nothing like incest much too young to read it <laughs> and adored those books but no i wouldn't put them on the top of my list, sadly. I, like Hillary, I expect to see To Kill a Mockingbird. I expect to see Harry Potter. I want To Kill a Mockingbird to win, both realistically and in my heart. I think I think it has the best sh- chance of winning, and I'm kind of a little snobbish. I would like The Great American Read 
to be a, an American book. I agree. <laughs> That's why I'm reluctant to say Harry Potter, uh-huh. but I do. I just love Harry Potter. I do too. I, I love reading them as an adult. My personal top three, I think To Kill a Mockingbird would probably be in there. The Narnia books might be, or The Stand might be. One, I'd probably either or of those. And then uh, my favorite book as an adult, and now for the rest of my life, The Tales of the City series by Armistead Maupin. Those books changed my life. I was thrilled to see that on the list. I think we'll talk about that later on. That's my number one choice from my heart. If I could be a bit controversial for a moment, mm-hmm. my other one, that's American Gone with the Wind. I, I know that it is controversial, and they do address that really well, I felt, in the two-hour special, yeah. special for The Great American Read, because it's really not about slavery. It is historically situated in a time in which we did have slaves, but the story is, it's a love story of home, and it's not a love story of, oh, I'm this, you know southern bell waif that Mm -hmm. falls in love with the man and loves this other man and yes it does have that element to Mm -hmm. it but scarlett o'hara is one of the best female characters of all time hands down i'm gonna say my wild card would be the outsiders okay because we're talking american author female and she was a teenager when she wrote it and i think it's one of those especially in this area. I don't know if it was nationwide loved as much as it was here. I felt like it really spoke to teenagers. I mean, it's kind of the John Hughes of books. I would say nationally it probably did. I mean, Francis Ford Coppola made a film out of it. It it wasn't just a regional success, I don't think. I think it was something very broad. And I was excited to see it on the list, too. Yeah, me too. Do you guys think there's a way to make students, children, even adults make summer reading more available to them, make them want to read more in summer. Is there a program? Are there a series of books that teachers should be recommending to students to do over the summer? The teachers that really made me want to read would read to us. And I think that parent, guardian, aunt, uncle, whatever you want to say, grandparents, involvement has a lot to do with it. Um, so if you can read to your kids, read to them because that is looking back on it. The most nostalgic feeling that I have is watching my teacher, if it was a picture book, turning it around so we could look at it, but also just sitting in a huddle with people where we're all consuming the same book at the same time. And, you know, Mr. McGowan did that. Mrs. Rucker did that. They're, they're the two main ones that I would credit to my love of reading as well as my parents and my grandparents. But Really reading out loud, taking the time. Time is important with kids. You're showing you're showing them that you're investing in them, and I, I think that's really important. But that could be like totally just me. I think chatting. for me, it is a family event to go to the library, and I think when you go and as a child they give you a card, and it's laminated, and you get to put it in your little wallet that doesn't have anything else in it you know I think that is such a big thing and it's like you have to be responsible for this and you have to be responsible for these books and I think having that sense of responsibility and knowing that what an older book smells like and a book that thousands of people have held in their hands and and enjoyed the same book that you have I think sometimes that can be very exciting as a child and to go in the summer when normally you would be in school and your mom takes you or your dad takes you and 
And I think that's a really cool, you know, I, I, I hope that parents are still doing that with their children. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know if the summer reading that the, the schools are requiring have taken the place of a lot of summer library programs. I know that I know that the Merle Public Library and the Canyon Library all have their programs still, but do do parents take the time to, to have their kids do both? Do, encourage their kids to do both? I don't. I, I would worry about that. I don't think my nieces and nephew went to the library very often. They had their their summer reading to do already. Perhaps in their the own word books is in their own library, but encouragement. I mean, just from anyone. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. I agree. Mm-hmm. It could be a librarian. Also, you were talking about the librarian that you'll never forget. Mm-hmm. That's just having that encouragement to mm-hmm. read and getting lost. And I, I can't remember if that was in the Great American Read to our special where someone was saying the quote about, you know, that you will live many lives if you mm-hmm. read a book and you can escape into that that world. It was. It was somebody good, too. Yeah. Escapism. Mm hmm which is my entire life. So there's that. I I think for me, I'm a genre reader. And I think even as a child, I was, I told you, I like mystery. I like things like that. And I think at an early age, you're not taught that it's okay if you like a certain genre and you want to gravitate towards that and maybe prompting children. I mean, it's great to read every kind of novel and learn about other types of writing, but sometimes you feel a little intimidated or like it doesn't make sense. Or I wish someone would have told me, you like Nancy Drew? Here's a whole stack of them, you know? Um, so I think some, and you're right, encouragement. Encouragement in any kind of form. You know, if it if it's just, if it's graphic novels that they like reading, at least it's reading. Mm-hmm. My vocabulary in, improved immensely because I read a bunch of comic books when I was a kid. The four-letter words? I'm All kidding. All the words. <laughs> Pal. No. Bam. No, that is such a cliche. <laughs> right. Mouse is one of the best Mouse. graphic mm-hmm. novels I've ever Alison read. Bechdel's Fun Home. Um, if you're listening and you borrowed my copy of Fun Home by Alison Bechdel, please return it. I don't remember who you are. <laughs> it's me. Did you borrow it? I did, but okay, I haven't read good. it yet. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yay! Oh, that it. worked out well. No. It's me. If okay, we learn good. one thing today, it's I, where your copy of the book yeah. is. So, congratulations. I'd love it to her. <laughs> This has been fun because we've been very passionate about some of our favorite books, and I hope that the listeners translate their passion to, about their favorite books to this list, to the TGAR, as we're all calling it, the TGAR list. We, we want you to go out and vote every day for your favorite book. Make sure it gets in, in there for the national vote, and then once we start doing our votes, argue for your book. Defend it. Proselytize for it. That's the fun of this project is that we get to share our passion for something that crosses so many lines, a love of reading. There's just some fantastic books on this list. So pick, pick the one you want to, to fight for and go for it. And with the list, I've noticed that I have started conversations with people that I never thought I would have conversations with because of our love of books and understanding who they are based on the books that they read but also it's like you said thousands of people have held this particular book in their hand and we've all had this shared experience so share that experience in you know commenting or messaging us or heck if you even want to be on the podcast let us know Mm -hmm. um, because we we'd like to continue this even beyond the great american read absolutely you can check out the list at panhandlepbs.org slash the great american read 
Um, it's also on PBS. You can click and take a quiz to ch- see how many of the books you've read. We'd love you to do that and share it and talk about the books you have read that you love and the ones that you want to read. Let this encourage you to find something new, to discover new worlds. That's what we're doing. Check Me Out is recorded in the FM90 studios on the Washington Street campus of Amarillo College. Special thanks to Scotty Vanderford, Colin Lutz, and Stevie Brashears, who designed our really cool logo. Also, a huge thanks to the Mag7 for providing all of our music. And don't forget to vote for your favorite book at panhandlepbs.org forward slash Great American Read.